0: Thank mm-hmm. you. so I want to start off with this clip that I found on Instagram, that was posted by Saul Williams, the activist musician and spoken words artist. It's uh, a clip of Norman Finkelstein, mm-hmm. Finken, Finkelstein, yeah, Finkenstein. yeah. The, the American, yeah, mm-hmm. Finkelstein, yeah. And I find it interesting, but I think that is also a clip that will help set the pace for our conversation. And from then on, we just like delve into it and discuss. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Perfect.
0: Yeah. All right. So, uh, you hear it now. If you had
2: any heart in you, you would be crying for the Palestinians. Not a single member of my family, a member of my family on both sides was exterminated. Both of my parents were in the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. And it's it precisely and exactly because of the lessons my parents taught me and my two siblings, that I will not be silent when Israel commits its crimes against the Palestinians. And I consider nothing more despicable than to use their suffering and their martyrdom to try to justify the torture, the brutalization, the demolition of homes that Israel daily commits against the Palestinians. So I refuse any longer to be intimidated or browbeaten by the tears. If you had any heart in you, you would be crying for the Palestinians.
1: All right, so I know this one. It is very interesting. What is really interesting for me here, or maybe for everybody in the same time, is the fact the using of the word Jews and the using of the word Israeli. Here, we could like see, like, first of all, he's a Jewish. I mean, this is something very important to highlight. And his uh, member of his family was victim in the Holocaust. This will not, uh, didn't like Mm -hmm. stop him by looking at the reality and see what is the situation, a real situation there in Palestine. So we are talking about here, for me, and personally, I always do this uh, difference, uh, about Israel about zionism we are not talking about jewish or judaism that is totally different thing for me so yeah definitely yeah. Uh, the question of uh, of supporting israel it is something that uh, that i i don't know i can't understand it as a, a maybe because just simply because i'm a palestinian uh, so, yeah, it's, a, it's an occupation state in the first place. That's what we have, all, all of us, we have to, uh, to see and to understand and to remember. It is nothing about, you know, uh, just like coming and establish a state on an empty land or having the right of the land or this. No, no, we are talking about A state reclaiming or putting herself as a democratic state in the Middle East, but yet to be a democratic state and still an occupier is something that nobody will understand. I don't understand this.
0: This is a contradiction of democracy that is sometimes very difficult Mm. to process. How can you say that you are a democratic state? And in fact, with the situation in Israel and Palestine, it's even more mind-boggling because much of that relationship is one of proximity. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's your neighbor that for you to find that neighbor, you have to go through mm-hmm. yourself, into mm-hmm. yourself. So how do you put the line of who desires to be seen as part of that democratical mm-hmm. constituent or constitution and who is not? So basically, it boils down to sort of like a, a religious mm-hmm. divide, cultural mm-hmm. divide, all of that. So, Baha, you were my very first, you know, up-close experience of oh. Palestine when we met each other in mm. Paris as far back as 2005. I uh, think. Yeah,
1: something like this, five or four, yeah. Yes, and we became
0: mm. friends. And I, and I know that your story is one of also that mm. displacement. Yes. Starting with your, if I remember, starting with your mm-hmm. parents. Mm-hmm. And so you came to Paris, and I remember then that you were also struggling to sort of like Legalize your mm. person because the alternative to that would be you. you don't. You mm. have no state. Yeah. But at the same time, you are not French. You are still under residency permit and all that. But eventually, mm. it happened. But I remember that it was an interesting. I won't say it was very, very, very precarious situation to be yeah. in back then. So, can you give us a sense of you know, as a Palestinian, what that kind of mm. displacement means?
1: It is always very difficult to, to talk about it and even to describe it or to even try to explain it and, and to understand it from my personal perspective. Well, my family originally from uh, Palestine, and they were living in a town called uh, Asqalan, which is a 20 kilometers on the north of Gaza, actual Gaza Strip. And this town became today an Israeli town called Ashkelon. So the name you can tell, like tracing wow. the name, it's a bu- it's a biblical name. Asqalan became Ashkelon.
0: Mm-hmm. So they changed the name.
1: Well, it's it it is not. I wouldn't say like changing the names because m- the many many of these cities has previously uh, names that they came from. Uh, I will say uh, biblical, you know, sources. I mean, this okay. this. Okay. So it's just adopting the name to the actual Hebrew modern Hebrew language that they are using. In
0: okay. okay.
1: So the family uh, being thrown away from their homes and land uh, in 1948, and suddenly they wake up and they found themselves in a tent in Gaza. In that time, Palestine was a very advanced, developed society. I mean, they were like cities villages, they were all type of, you know, cultural, economical, political life going there It's part part of the Ottoman Empire, and they were living peacefully in their homes, and suddenly there is the establishment of uh, the state of Israel, and they were being thrown away by the Israelis from their homes, and they end up living in a tent in a refugee camp in, in Gaza, and actually the refugee camp where I was born. I was born in a refugee camp. My dad, when he left his land, it was in 1946. He was two in 1948. He was two years old. He was born in 1946. So, so yeah. So the family moved to Gaza. From there, our struggle started with life. I mean, with life, when there is no legal, I will say, statute for you i give you an example. We were considered, and we are considered until today, refugees under the United Nations Relief Work Organization called the ONARWA. We had no papers. We had no uh, IDs. We've had just these useless IDs from the United Nations as, yeah. as as kind of like refugee. Yeah, I remember when we were kids, we were like, you know, different from everybody else because we, we couldn't imagine to move or to travel easily because we, we don't have any papers. We don't know anything about what is happening outside of our, you know, uh, natural uh, place. In the beginning of the 80s, my dad was offered a position in the Saudi Arabia to work in the hospital. This is, for me, my first I will say step to this displacement this journey far away from my, I will say environment from my natural environment that I know, which was the refugee camp. It's very it's very interesting because first of all, this place is not even it's, it's not that you could don't consider it as home, but it's it's not it's not your home. You were forced to yeah. be there, mm-hmm. and suddenly you were moved. To go. We were. We moved to Saudi Arabia. We lived in Saudi Arabia, and every couple of years, we we had these papers me given to us by the Israelis, uh, so we could come back to Palestine. But <laughs> very uh, interesting that we couldn't even use these papers to travel anywhere else. So I grew up honestly with knowing that i'm a palestinian but without knowing where is and what is palestine and what it is it to be in palestine as a place because you don't have the experience in your natural environment in your national society in practicing your tradition and practicing your culture your language your everything you were all mm-hmm. i was always feeling in somehow temporary mm-hmm. this feeling it it is it it is with me until today because since then, I've been going from place to place, and it's actually, it gives me kind of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say peace, but it gives me kind of a backup that all places is my place, mm-hmm. but I'm not in one place. So it's, mm-hmm. it's like wherever I go, I never feel that this is where I am. It's my place. I always feel that I'm there temporarily for a certain time. And actually the temporality of this, uh, the feeling of being temporary, it is not about bad or good or wrong or right. It is very, how can I say that? It is like on on my feelings, it makes me feel that I'm living in between this kind of like a gray area that Mm -hmm. you don't know where you are belonging. And it gives, it also gives me a lot of power and strength somehow. So it is, I know that I'm exile, mm-hmm. and I know that I can't go back to where I am from because I mm-hmm. don't know what is that. You know, I where I mean, I don't know that place. I, I, it's it's just like as as you can feel now. I I don't know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. when I always talk about it, I never had a very clear idea. Honestly, I never had a very uh, kind of like one-line way of thinking about it because it's, it changes. And, and this is, this it is, because every time I move to somewhere else, there is a big change happen in my life. So mm-hmm. even if my way of thinking, so yeah, it takes me to this area where things are not certain, things are not uh, permanent, things are not clear. So I develop kind of personality like this through mm-hmm. this kind of exile. Mm-hmm. But the most interesting part is there is always one thing; it is stayed there and will never go. It is the fact that I know that I am a Palestinian, and I feel Palestinian. I know I am a Palestinian because I know the only backup I have, personally, I'm in, on my even emotionally and mentally. It's it's to stay, to tell myself and to know that I have something behind me which could backing up me. It is the fact that I am Palestinian. Mm-hmm. So it it is something that will grow differently from according to the situation, to the state of mind, to way I feel, to way I live. It will grow, but it will never vanish or disappear. And now I hold a French passport, mm-hmm. and I've been traveling all over the world, and I've been meeting so many people, and I've been, you know, in many different situations. I never felt different from myself that I I can consider myself something else than Palestinian. Naturally, it's not even something that I force myself
0: to. It's so interesting that you say that you don't know exactly what it means or what it feels like to be a Palestinian, but you know that you are yes. a Palestinian. Yeah. So there is a lot of in-between spaces here mm. that... Definitely. That allows or sort of like sustains this whole notion of identity and being Mm. you know yesterday i was watching an interview with joseph kuldecker one of the magnum photographers from uh, czechoslovakia yeah so it's a film done on him where he was photographing the wall Mm -hmm. in in israel and palestine but he said Mm. something that is interesting Mm. he said it was like his time when, in his own time, when he left his country. Mm. It was the Iron Curtain at the time. Mm. And mm. the Russians came. But he said something that's interesting. He said that he has never ever in his life saw how a people can unite and change immediately simply because they now have one cause. Both the old, the young, it doesn't matter anymore if you're rich or poor, your class. Everyone agreed one thing. They don't mm. want the Russians in their country. And because of that, they became so powerful. And you know what was yeah. interesting what he now said? He said, that's why the Palestinians are, are strong because of all of them agree in one thing. Yes. They are Palestinians and they they all agree. It doesn't matter where whether the person is rich, poor, inside mm. uh, inside Palestine, Gaza or outside of it, they agree in for one thing. Can we yes. spend some time in this one thing that yeah. you know That you agree in that no matter where you are, no matter where you go to, how you find your own, you know, way of being, where you find yourself in that displacement, whether it is within uh, Palestine and Israel or outside of it, you still have the same one aim that makes you feel like I am Palestinian.
1: I have to say where this started, I mean, this feeling, knowing that I am Palestinian, it happened to me when I was, I think, around 10 years old. We went back to Gaza to visit the family from Saudi Arabia. And I remember Mm -hmm. that the whole family, I mean, the extended family, like cousins, uncles, aunties, everybody. We uh, decided to go for kind of like a journey to discover our homeland. And my grandma was with us and we went to the village where or where was the village, their town or the village that they were living and I don't understand. I, I, I could, in that time, I didn't really have a very clear picture about the situation, what is going on, because I was just, you know, a kid in a family and following the family. So you don't ask questions about, uh, you know, a lot of things. But I remember my grandmother, she sat in kind of like uh, a rock or a remain of a house mm-hmm. uh, inside this beautiful park. It became today a kind of like a park on the pe- beach with all this grass and trees and she cried and she was really, really crying hurtfully. And I was like, we do not understand what is going on. And she was telling us, this is where my home used to be. And in that moment I looked around and it's like, how, how this could be your home. Yes. If this used to be your home, why you are not in it and why mm-hmm. we are not supposed to be in it. Mm-hmm. So from that moment, I start to realize what is the meaning to, have a place that is being erased and with it not only the place it's all memories stories life everything and going somewhere else that is strange that is new uh that the place the new place that you need to adapt to so from that from that time I always remember that scene wherever I go Whatever I have a new place or a new country that I live in, I still mm-hmm. like remember that moment of my life. So from that, I realized very well about what is, to, what is the meaning to be Palestinian without being in a place or on a ground that is Palestine.
0: So basically, With- that meaning, that being Palestinian is one of absence, becoming present. Yes, All the time. exactly.
1: It's, it's, like, it's like you build Palestine, or I build Palestine that I imagine, in my imagination, and I live it. I live in it. You know what I mean? It's like you mm-hmm. build your own. A lot of Palestinians have this experience. Each one of us, they will have their own Palestine. Mm-hmm. Because they don't, they don't know one common Palestine. Yeah. So you, you created your Palestine wherever you go. And it grows inside, it grows inside me because it's, it's like, according to the situation, according to my age, according to my knowledge, and, and et cetera, and et cetera. I wouldn't say it's like an agreement, but I reach an agreement with myself that, yes, I, I don't push myself to feel, to feel a Palestinian. No, mm-hmm. actually, naturally, I feel Palestinian.
0: Let me ask now, let me just, an example. Mm. now i know that your wife is, is palestinian as well no okay she's not
1: no she's she is.
0: oh i thought she's palestinian as well okay no, no. all right yeah. okay where i was going to now is that when you meet a palestinian who mm. came to being a palestinian from a different route as yours yeah say abnasa you know mm. remember abnasa yeah. that we spent yeah, time yeah. with the artist yeah yeah, and I think yeah. he's back to, in, in Gaza as well, right? He's in Gaza now, yeah. Okay, so it's interesting. He's not here to speak for himself. But mm-hmm. what do you think will be... What do you think that held you up being a Palestine, Palestinian mm-hmm. and his, his way of being a Palestinian together? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one question. Secondly, how do you see... What do you think will be his reality right now mm-hmm. in Gaza? Walking from there as a visual artist, doing things from there, what do you think will be his reality? These are two questions.
1: If I understand very well the first question, maybe I will answer by like putting these two questions together. There is two, as you, as you just mentioned, there is, we are two type of Palestinians. There is the yeah. one who lives inside and there is the one who lives outside. Okay? Yeah. And the one who lives inside, like Abdel Nasser, the visual artist, who's been there all of his life. He was born Mm -hmm. in Gaza, he grew up in Gaza. He had the chance to leave Gaza from time to time to visit some countries.
0: Yeah, that's how we met him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And me, I'm the one who left Palestine when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I never returned to it as my permanent, you know, place of living. I was Mm -hmm. always returning to it for a period of time, which is like Mm -hmm. visiting and uh, spending some time there and,
2: and, Mm -hmm. and
1: so on. For me, it's easier, to be honest, to mm-hmm. be in this situation. I'm not talking about the question, the condition of life. I'm talking mm-hmm. about on the emotional level. Yeah. And this is what I, what, what I, what I even uh, explored and wrote about in my dissertation of the PhD about the exiled Palestinians art as artists.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you live like Abdul Nasser, exiled inside your homeland, It is a very hard feeling because the question of being exiled, it is the place this displacement. It's like you are not in your country, or you are not in your environment, or you are not in your land, you are somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But imagine that you are still in your land, which is part of Palestine today, Gaza, Mm -hmm. but you are exiled. So this this kind of feeling, I, I really admire this, guys, because it is beyond what we can imagine because they live there. They are in permanent contact with the situation. They are in permanent contact with the occupier. They are in permanent contact of something to remind them that this mm-hmm. is not anymore their home.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and and, and for, for people like us, we are yeah. far removed from that reality. Yes. Now, but you, you have a stake in that reality. Mm. So you mm. are very close to it. Yes. How do you understand, what do you understand about your tenacity to continue to be in there? I'm also using someone like Abnasa because he had a chance to live elsewhere if he wanted. Mm. Mm. But he decided to still always go back to Gaza. I, mm. I'm always thinking about him. Huh? Whenever mm. any, anything about the conflict comes up, I, my yeah. mind always goes to him because mm. he could have easily found his way and become, and he he's also a very good artist and he could have become successful mm. in Europe if he had wanted. Yeah. But he decided mm. to still go back and live in Gaza mm. and work from there. How do you mm. understand people like him? How do you understand people who continue to go to the mosque, there live mm. their life every day, but only for them to always be in constant threat of being harassed, bombed, mm. killed children? And there's mm. always that possibility of that happening. It happened before the Ramadan started. It now happened again towards Mm. the end of Ramadan. So how do you understand people who Mm. continue to live there even though they have the possibility of going elsewhere?
1: Well the question of possibility is not as as we imagine it. It's it's not that easy to say that I can leave. No, I mean leaving Palestine is something that it's required that a place to host you. And this place to host you is not there because the majority of countries will shut their Doors in front of Palestinians because they will mm-hmm. consider them as as you know uh, a refugee threat and somehow that they will stay mm-hmm. and will not go back. Mm-hmm. But also in the other in the other hand, there is there is something that we have to remember that and to and to clearly to see to be a Palestinian for most of all Palestinians, most of them, it is a duty. Mm-hmm. It's kind of mm-hmm. like an obligation to uh-huh. to the fact that yes, I am a Palestinian, so I have a duty to, you know, to, um, to do. To stay here and be exactly and be Palestinian. And exactly. So if you ask me personally, if I will choose a place to go back to, it will be Gaza. Yes, definitely. Because it's, it is the place that I can feel myself, I can do something more than mm-hmm. I'm doing it from outside. Mm-hmm, so yeah, mm-hmm. there is this kind of feeling of these people. And also yeah. because we will grow up with, with something that we have to always to put in mind that there is a place for us, but we have to get it back. Yeah. And, by, and by continuing anything to help bringing back this place, or to take back this place, it is the continuation of being Palestinian.
0: As far back as 2006, if I remember, 2006, 2007, I mm. photographed one of the protests, mm. still the same conflict, Israel- yeah you know, bombing and killing, mm. you know, Palestinians. Mm. I, in 2006, I photographed it in the street of Paris. I remember mm. vividly where it took place. It was that room on Panas. I remember this image, which I am going to basically attach to this our conversation. Mm. It, is, it is a very graphic image, but it is held up by a child who was, mm. who was being carried on the shoulder by the father. And it mm. was a graphic image of a child that has been bombed and lying, lying dead. And... The placard was saying something like, "This could have been my daughter," or something like that. Sure. You know, and 2006, all the way to some few days ago, there is still mm. this regurgitation of violence that is happening constantly. How mm. do you, how do you make sense of this? Why is it happening? Why does it continue to happen? And is there any end whatsoever in sight? Mm.
2: Wow,
1: that's 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 the question that everybody is asking for an answer. I mean, well, to you know something. To to search for the end of something, you have to first to realize the beginning of some, of this thing. So, mm-hmm. we have to be very objective and very fair o- on this. And as a Palestinian, maybe uh, I don't know if I will be the best person to talk about it because I will take a side. You know, that's 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 like natural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But surely that the situation is going on, and will go on, because mm-hmm. basically it is fundamentally how the state of Israel was established mm-hmm. over other people's land. And this people, which is very important to put in mind, they had nothing to do with whatsoever happened in a tragedy of any ancestors of these Israelis.
2: Mm-hmm. We're
1: talking about like the, the tragedy and the, of the Holocaust happened by the Nazis.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So for us, and this is what Edward Said was saying, even
0: mm-hmm.
1: we never understood how we became a victim of a victim. First of all, nobody understood, I'm talking about Palestinians, why they have to pay the price of other people's you know, uh, act, especially mm-hmm. about the Holocaust. Why, especially Palestine? And and a lot of Israelis will say and will say that because this used to be our land uh, from the beginning. I mean, this, this, something is, it's like we are living in a modern life and a modern time. Uh, you cannot say this is my land 3000 years ago because everybody else on the planet will reclaim the same, the same other land for themselves, because we know that the modern, the modern world wasn't built in this way. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, first of all, this land is for everybody. Mm-hmm. This is the holy land. So Muslims, mm-hmm. Christians, Jews—they live there. They, mm-hmm. they were Palestinian Jews living in Palestine. Mm-hmm. They were like no problem with this. I mean, it's the it's it's the place that most of the, all the Christian people on the world would reclaim that this is also their home. You know, because mm-hmm. the, 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 Jesus was from there. Jesus was a Palestinian. If we're gonna go like look at that, so so this mm-hmm. this the, the the start. It is something. How it started? It was a colonial. I have to say, it is very colonial. Way it was an occupation, taking mm-hmm. other people' land, throwing them away, or or and then the apartheid they, as well. And then the apartheid, and and the crazy part. We go back to the beginning of this conversation about a democratic state. Mm-hmm. When today, the, the, the crazy part that Israel is always raising the flag of democracy. On a land that there is nothing democratic being practices on it. It is, you cannot be a democratic state and you say it's a state only for Jews. First, mm-hmm. you cannot say I am a democratic state and you still occupy other people's land. You cannot say that and you're still bu- uh, building walls and preventing people from getting out, under siege, bombing them, killing them. So what is, what what is the logic?
0: Practice? What is the logic now behind? Let's just well, pretend that, well, that, the that logic we don't know
1: yeah, My personal opinion about it, I have to say uh, this opinion being changed and grows through mm-hmm. the time according to the situation. If we go back to 1987, the beginning of the first intifada, when the kids were throwing stones on the soldiers, that was the time when everybody looked at, first of all, first time we heard about Palestine, it's through these kids that they were throwing stones on tanks. So mm-hmm. that was the first struggle that we could see for Palestinians to establish state. So mm-hmm. then, uh, then the peace process happened, which was a very bad, I will say, like it wasn't very successful because it wasn't made in a good way and in, a, in, a, in, a, in an objective way. Yeah. And the, it meant to create two states, Palestine and Israel, on that land. Okay, good, we accepted this, but then the occupier never let us do this. They mm-hmm. continue like you know, establishing colonies, stealing land, killing people. And they created a Palestine today looks like a Dutch piece of cheese. As we all know, this kind of metaphorical way to say about this continent. where you have people living in small areas, and you, there is no connection geographically between them. Mm-hmm. So the impossibility today of having one piece of land that can be Palestine. Oblige me or make me feel. I think the only solution we have today it's one state solution. Mm -hmm. It's very strong to say, and it's very hard to to raise the voice and say yes. One state solution is the solution because Israel will not disappear. It's an established state; is there? Okay. Mm -hmm. Palestinians will not even disappear because they are there. They are big. There is more than. How much today? Around like six million Palestinians living inside historical Palestine. And there is around another six or seven million living outside in diaspora. Yeah. So the, the, the idea of the existence of these two people, it obliged me to see that the only solution, it's one state, the Mm -hmm. one state solution. It is not new. Everybody was talking about this from back to the, from the Mm seventies. And it's, it's a very, there is a very good advantage of this one-state solution. First of all, for Palestinians, who is responsible of them today? It is Israel, because they are under the occupation. You cannot just occupy people and say, it's not my responsibility. No. Yeah. If you are occupying people, you have to be responsible on them. You have to give them everything that makes them feel that they are human beings and they exist in their life as a citizens or whatever. This is first. Second, it is about the right of having a citizenship. A one state with a citizenship and democratic state where everybody can vote and everybody has the right to, you know, to present themselves. And, and yeah, so you have one state with Jews, Muslims, and Christians.
0: You know, because what I, I kept thinking about when I was reading about some of the things that led to the recent conflict now, escalating, is mm. that before, uh, during the Ramadan, Ramadan is mm. something that is holy and taken seriously by the Muslim community all over the yeah. world. I know that. Yeah. You don't want to touch that whatsoever. You yeah. know. And in a place that is already volatile, with conflict, mm-hmm. yeah. and the police will now go into the mosque on the first day of Ramadan. Yeah. And because the president is looking to give a speech and I'm, I'm like, isn't there a way to find a situation where the times don't clash in the day, during the day, where yeah. we can say, well, it, it, how is this place run? Isn't it possible that the officials from the Israeli part can speak to the officials in the Palestinian part and say, look, we are doing this. The president is going to speak at this time. Is it possible that we can do this so that things don't clash? How is it... Um, I, is it me that is sort of like sitting outside here not knowing anything whatsoever that is just our well, away? Because I think that I, I can easily solve this thing with my kids, huh?
1: Yeah, but then... No, no, I, I... I yeah, you're right. Maybe because you are outside. But uh, the thing is, it's not about like, it's not simple like this. It's not like, okay. you know, okay. let's let's sit down and talk. No, because they've been talking twenty since 20 years now with the peace mm-hmm. process and etc. and that. It's the willing from first place. Do we have the will, the, the Israelis as a copier has the will to sit down and to be fair and to return land and let these people to live their life on their land or not? Mm-hmm. They don't because if they, if, if they had this, or if they had this from the beginning, they wouldn't like extend their colon- colon- colonies all over the, the land of Palestine. They will not, they always don't miss any chance to show that they are going to take the whole land and they're going to throw people outside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There has never been a kind of, you know, reasonable voice of peace coming out of the Israeli mouth. They just mm-hmm. know there is. This is our place. We're going to take it. We're going to throw the Palestinians outside. So the situation will keep collapsing. Will keep always, always collapsing. First, Jerusalem, and especially the mosque, it is not any mosque. You are talking about the third most important holy place for Muslims after Mecca and Medina. So you cannot play with this. You can't.
0: Yeah. That much much anybody could understand that that day of any other day... What is it about? Is it like a show of power? A show of we can even cross this line? Yeah. And we just want to show you that we can cross whatever line that you think you set it's not. It's
1: not only showing. It's actually, it's, no, no. It's, it's like we are crossing lines. Exactly. So who's, who's, giving, who's giving
0: Israel the backbone?
1: Normally, you have to look at Israel in a very Western way. I mean, mm-hmm. Israel is the, is the fruit and the baby of colonialism. Mm -hmm. It's the continuation Mm -hmm. of colonialism. The first Israelis who arrived to Palestine, they were the European, you know... uh, uh,
0: Settlers, basically. Migrants. Yes. Migrants.
1: No, no, no. Settlers. I wouldn't say like migrants is different because migration is like, it is like you migrate from place to place. It's not about... No, here they were thieves. They were European migrants
0: who became settlers.
1: Yes. So these people, they, from beginning, it was the continuation of colonialism. And we have to see previously what happened with colonialism. It's mm-hmm. never been something that is like very nice and, 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 and soft. No, it's always ended up by, you know, killing people and taking their land and establishing mm-hmm. a new state. So that was the, the issue. So there is no one from Israeli. I mean, not all of them. There is some Israelis that they still fight for just and for, you know, the reasonable voice and especially uh, the new historians that they were talking about uh, the right for Palestinians, the right for them to establish their state and to live on that land happily with other, you know, uh, people. But the majority of Israelis is like this. Secondly, every Israeli served in the army. Every Mm -hmm. Israeli, and somehow they know how to use guns. They grow up with... The fact that we are powerful and we can crush anybody in front of us. Okay. And on the top of all that, you, there is nobody on the world is raising their voice or stopping them. That's the crazy part because they are the fruit of colonialism and the fact that in Europe or in the US, it is the, the creation of colonialism from first place.
0: And of course, Europe also is very much aware. When I say Europe, it is... Europe as a fruit of that Second World War and yes. there is that part of it hanging on the conscience of mm-hmm. Europe that yes. th- they don't want to interfere mm-hmm. so much because interfering is at the same time confronting their conscience.
1: Yes, but also because they were always because of the of the black The black hole in the history of Europe, especially with Holocaust, nobody wants Mm -hmm. to be, uh, you know, target as somebody against Jews or killing Jews because the problem again, we have to separate. There is Jewish and there is Israelis. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's obvious. I mean, does every does all Jews on the planet are Israeli? No. Mm -hmm. So the thing, when it comes to the support. It don't go to the, for the support of the Israelis as Israelis because it doesn't make sense. Because in this case, you don't support the state of killing other people. Yeah. The support goes because this is the Jews, this is their home, we have to help them to build it, we have to help them to protect it. And this is why the Israelis are doing whatever they want. Nobody even has their, I mean, imagine with me, anybody, any intellectual, any journalist, any uh, scholar in Europe, will start to speak about the politics of the Israeli right-wing government and the act against Palestinians, they were always, right away, they were labeled as anti-Semitized and, you know, against Israelis and they will, you know, uh, against Jews and this and that. So the propaganda is there, the money is there, and the weakness of us as Arabs is there. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. all this gives the, the Israelis the green light to do whatever they want because i mean it's absurd since all these wars they never been questioned they never been brought to trial they never been in front of the judge and they always use the fact that we were attacked in the i mean i can't see this how could you be attacked if you consider yourself the fourth the strongest army on the planet and you have all life you can attacked by a very, like, poor people with nothing, with no land, with no hope, with no money, with no nothing. And they just have, sorry, they just have whatever they can found, which is, we call it the resistance. Whether it's military or non-military resistance. It's still, you cannot just compare these two things. You cannot even call it a war. Because exactly. war requires two armies. War requires, you know, two states. This is an aggression, this is a massacre against just civilians. How come that today, we are speaking today, there is 250 Palestinians who was killed in Gaza and, and the majority, they were kids and women. They were, not, they were not the Hamas people that Israel is like bombarding us with these fake, with this kind of news about saying, yeah, this is, you know, uh, because mm-hmm. they're throwing uh, rockets on us. Yeah, but okay. What about the children and the and the and the and the and the women? They were killed. I mean, you cannot just bomb the house on their on their on the people who lives inside exactly, it. Exactly, because you also. What I don't
0: understand is that you are one of the most powerful armies in the world. Mm. You have the intelligence, you know, and I know that also part of being a powerful army in the world is also having a very robust intelligence system. Yeah, yeah, like knowing how to go and fish out information where they. They are.
1: Yes, yes.
0: So and why go to kill and at the expense of even killing a, 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 well, a child?
1: Yeah, that, that's the crazy part. But also there is something we have also to be objective and say, I am not somebody who's supporting this military action from our side against the, the Israelis. Because, mm-hmm. very simply, we, we don't have the power that they have. They can't crush mm-hmm. us in one second. Okay. Mm-hmm. And also because no conflict, and no, pe- no one searching or fighting for their right all over the history that won because they use guns. They won because mm-hmm. they use civil. They use you know peaceful protesting. And I mm-hmm. think one of our mistakes as, as 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 Palestinian today, it is actually to transfer this conflict from from it being kind of like a civils civilians against the army. Mm -hmm. to start, you know, shooting and using this kind of military. This doesn't make sense. Because you can win with that. Yeah. Of course, because actually in one of the best time of Palestinians that they were winning for us, it was during the first Intifada, 1987, because Mm -hmm. they were kids throwing stones on tanks. You know how much this is powerful? When you see this on the TV, a little kids throwing stones in a tank and, run, and soldiers, soldiers with all their machine guns are running after a tiny little six-years-old kid to catch him and put him in jail. That was our powerful you know, moment. So we have also to look at the way that we are doing things. Mm-hmm. It is not always about I'm not going to be the one who's, who sit in the corner and cry and say, yes, it, they, 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 this, they did that and they did. But what about us? We also did things, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm
1: not saying that the reaction of Israel is illegitimate. No, that's 100%. Mm-hmm. So if you are willing and you wish to solve this problem, it's not through machine gun. It's about like just sit down. See what the Palestinian, they have the right to take and give it to them. Very mm-hmm. simple. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is about like no colonies. Jerusalem is Palestinian. If you want to go, go with two-state solution, I mean, it's just like this is the classical American uh, way that they are looking for this two-state solution that this does not, it's not going to happen because they killed it because it's impossible to, to establish this. Yeah. You you have Jerusalem East as a Palestinian. You have uh, you remove the colonies and and the refugees will come back. That's it. If if it's not go with one state solution, but you don't go with killing because where are you gonna where are you going with this? Where are you going? If you keep mm-hmm. killing until when you're gonna kill? Like you right. are not gonna you are not gonna kill more than six million people
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: because each single young or old or whatever Palestinian they have very strong, you know, right and fight for their land. You will not Mm -hmm. take it from them. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. This is really, really powerful. What this conversation has done is sort of like to give me a sense of, it's been my hesitation as well because I have been reading, following, Mm. but also there are some, a lot of, you know, gaps that my logic could not just Mm. fill in, you know, and I said to myself, there's no point in me posting about free Palestine if I don't know these things if I cannot ask, answer these questions mm. because I think that there is more it's I'm not interested in the bandwagon I'm interested in real knowledge from 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 a situation yes yes so 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 this conversation has helped me especially when you have also basically laid it out and say you know things have to be more strategic and I see that you know first of all there is this aspect of Israel being the baby of colonialism, and it continues to sustain. Mm. And this is what the fear is. That's what, it, for me, the fear is, is that if we should ever see the 21st century as a century of reparation and healing, mm. I think yes. what is happening with Israel continues to sustain all the kind of dissonances that mm-hmm. was carried over from the previous centuries into the century. Exactly. That concept exactly. of coloni- colonization exactly. continues. Exactly. of appetite continues there. Yes. And we know that the problem today is not whether we, it is the West or non-West. It is how can we move away from this mad, crazy concept that of resettlement, of displacement, of killing, of pillaging, of going somewhere and taking that started with Christopher Columbus. Of and course. continues all the way to now. How do we stop that nonsense so that we can have a better world for all of us? It's not about mm. whether it is West or non-West. We, we already know that there are different realities and everybody lives their own different ways. But how do we stop yeah. constructing our world in this way? This, for me, yeah. is what is at stake. That's why I feel like everybody, wherever you are, need to be concerned with what is going on in a place like Israel and Palestine and that conflict. You have to really understand it because it's not just about that thing that is happening far away from you it still carries the seed of destruction.
1: If we are claiming that we are living in a new modern era and everything is democratic and we are searching, blah, 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 blah. Why, why there is only one place on this planet still under occupation? This is first. Exactly. Yeah. Secondly, and this is very important to put in mind that it is always when it comes to Palestine issue, first of all, we, we have to be careful how to use language because a lot mm-hmm. of people who say like, Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I mean, come on. It's not an Israeli-Palestinian conflict and it's it's just simply an occupation and people under occupation conflict. This is mm-hmm. very important to put. Secondly, mm-hmm. a lot of people, especially in Europe and my friends in the US and, and everywhere, once we whatever you're gonna start to talk about it, they always escape and run away by saying this is oh, this is a very complex issue. It's not mm-hmm. a complex issue. It's very clear as the sun, because mm-hmm. We know what is the history. We know what has to be done. And nobody is doing it because 1948, when the United Nations proposed a plan of sharing the land and Arabs, they refused it. Don't tell me Palestinian because in that time Palestine was under the you know the, the, the Ottoman Empire, so they were not kind of like the independent make decision decision makers about themselves. But yet mm-hmm. they refused the Arab army or the Arab countries, they refused that. Okay, fine. Mistake or not a mistake, we won, we don't want, fine, put it this away. Now we came back and we said, okay, let's go back to that plan. Mm-hmm. If you want to be fair, it was a plan put by the United Nations. Just, just apply it. And mm-hmm. Israel is done. That was like the, the solution from the beginning. So they, mm-hmm. instead, they kept like taking land and destroying the life of people. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the other thing, and I found it very powerful these days, whatever Israel is doing and trying to do by covering their crimes, it turns against them. Because... The international opinion and the social media are playing a very important role today. Not the media. The media is always bullshit. The fact that the social media and the people from there and the visuals that we receive, the videos we receive, everything we see, it is clear. There is nothing to hide. There is no no propaganda there. I mean, Mm -hmm. when, when the Israelis said that we don't kill kids or we don't do this and that. No, Habibi, you got the, 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 the videos are there and everybody's seeing that. So the, the international opinion is shifting and it's changing and it's going, mm-hmm. you know, toward the Palestinian. And this is natural because if you are a human being, you don't want to be in that position. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's like, this is our nature. So understanding is important. And mm-hmm. being objective is also important, but, but being kind of like putting yourself away from it and not saying anything, this is something mm-hmm. that is not normal. For example, if we talk about the art world, nobody moves. No one spoke about it or raised the voice about it. I mean, it's, it's like it's the art, it's the power of people and nobody uh, did something. You know, it's it's very simple. When once a black matter issue happened in the U.S., everybody was like, you know, powerful and posting and doing. Yeah, fine, mm-hmm. that's great because this is what we need because we are against mm-hmm.
0: this. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. But we are we are as a Palestinian, we were ex- we were waiting them to do the same. Yeah, people. So and yeah, no one is,
0: yeah, yeah. Everyone is sort of like yeah. You that's, cannot that's make it double sta-
1: the double standard thing is an issue. I mean, come on, it's like always putting Palestinian and Israelis actions in the same basket. How come? It's it's just like it doesn't work. I mean, how how mm-hmm. are you going to put them in the both in the same place? No, these are these are like as you said, very sophisticated, advanced army mm-hmm. bombing civ- bombing people in their homes. I mean, what? that's that's crazy. My concern is about. It's not about like when this will, will end, it's how will, this will end.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because when is something that we know from history. It's, it can be going on until now, but it has to have an end in somehow. Mm-hmm. And how it's going to end, this is my concern. Because what I feel that it is very safe for the Western world to keep it like this. Mm -hmm. because since Mm -hmm. 25 years it's the same yeah i mean yeah so look when trump was in the administration he he's like doesn't want to talk about it he doesn't want to do anything about it and Mm -hmm. he said like there is even impossible state for palestinians and this and that that was like Mm -hmm. the crazy time good biden came back and he's like oh take it easy we're gonna go back to our classic politics there is two states and we're gonna Help to establish these two things. Yeah, these status t-
0: quo. T- just slow it down. Do meetings up and down. This and- is what we
1: call the management of the conflict. This is not res- re- uh, finding solutions. Resolution. For conflict. Yeah, resolution. that's not resolution. No, that's not solution. managing. This is a managing managing a conflict to keep it on because it will help everybody. It will help everybody to keep this conflict on. So, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, it's, it's something that blew your mind when you look at it as much as you look at it in a very simple way and you see it very clearly that it's easy to, to find a solution for it or to resolve it. But at the same time, they make it super complicated that it's just like it makes you feel that, yeah, they, they will never resolve this issue.
0: And most importantly, to move away, like you've already suggested, to move away from thinking of this as an Israeli Palestinian. Conflict and to think of it as something that is almost like a saw yes. in the making of the 21st century that everyone, our children, will live in. Because yes. if we continue to sustain this colonial concept of mm. making nations and borders and things, again, you know, I'm very much interested in borders and you know, yeah. all the power dynamics that gives birth to borders mm. and become... This thing that stops movement, spiritual yeah. movement, you know, personal, physical body mm. movement, but also in the process will injure and harm the body yes. in the process because you cannot stop movement without harming the body.
1: Of course. And, and speaking so, of borders, we have to don't forget something. And everybody's like, uh, don't notice this. Israel is the only country on the planet doesn't have borders, declared borders.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it's like, it's crazy if you want to look at the borders, like, of, like the, the, each country mm-hmm. officially and internationally mm-hmm. known by its mm-hmm. borders, you know, there is kind of like conflict on borders. But here, mm-hmm. in the case of Israel, they don't, it's not, it's like, mm-hmm. it's not like Gaza here and West Bank here. It's about even inside the territories that they are normally should be Palestinian, according there are no, to the there are peace no So it is, it is, it's, it's, it's full of colonies,
0: Although we are ending this conversation almost like a, well, we don't know what to do about this. But I think it's important Mm. that we enlighten ourselves with these things, um, this conversation, through these conversations. And Mm. like you said, continue to look for ways to be involved. I think that it is that involvement, you know, each and everyone in their own way, however proactive, um, that will sort of like push things. um, um, exactly and and to be
1: always objective yes and always it's very important that you always have to be objective and look at things in a a very real way Mm
2: -hmm.
0: all right thank you so much bro thank you for for the time
1: thank you for giving me the chance